Uh, let me pray for us quickly, and then we'll get on with our time together, okay? <clears throat> Lord Jesus, we lift up our, our time today. I'd ask that, your, that uh, the spirit that lives within us, your spirit, would open our hearts to what you might have for us today, that we would be encouraged and strengthened, that we would be made wise. Lord, I'd ask that you would protect us and keep us focused. Lord, I'd ask that you would allow us to be understanding of all that you've blessed us with, who you are, and the promises you've made to us so that we might enjoy the freedom and the power that comes with, um, by having intimacy with you. We, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'll turn in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 5, if you have that or fire up that phone, here's a passage from Peter. He says this. He says, be sober-minded, be watchful. <clears throat> your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. Do you believe that? you believe that? Because he's saying, he says, be sober-minded, be watchful. You know what he's saying? He's saying, wake up. And then look what, I mean, descriptively, he's saying there is a strategic hunter, a powerful predator of evil that's out to not kill you, devour you, to tear, to claw you, to tear you apart and eat you. Wow. That is a pretty vivid illustration of the violence that the devil has towards us. And he should know. Peter should know. Because on that night, on that night, Jesus looked at him and said, Simon, Simon, Satan has demanded you that he might sift you like wheat. And I pray your faith doesn't fail. And Peter goes, you come on. I mean, I've already decided that I would go to a prison or the grave with you. And then Jesus says, Peter, the rooster will not crow three times, or the rooster will not crow before you deny me three times. And then Jesus says, suit up, boys. Let's get our gear on. We got to get combat ready. We had better pray. Pete, you get prayed up. There's a war coming to Jerusalem, and it is a battle for life. You get ready. And Peter went to sleep. And before you could say cock-a-doodle-doo, Peter was saying, I never met him. Now, let me ask you. Here's a question. Do you believe that uh, Peter is, you know, I don't know, impulsive, proud, mildly cowardly in his personality? Or do you believe that Peter is impulsive and proud and mildly cowardly and then Satan took advantage of those very attributes and used them against Peter so that Peter would live the rest of his life 
in shame. Because that's what happened. It was the devil. And this man, Peter, has claw marks, scars all over his soul. And he is telling us, be sober. Watch out. Wake up. (laughs) Fight. This is a fight here. Last year, November November 11th, we were in a series about the church, and I gave a talk called Two Realms. And in that talk, we, we learned about the idea that there's two realms in the spiritual war that goes on around us, and we had more kind of feedback from that talk than maybe any time we've had a learning time here. And so people were saying, we've got to know more about this. And so that's what we're doing. We're going to have a series on this. And I, just for the sake of knowing what we're going to be hearing, here's, here's our outline. Here's what we, first, this is wake up and fight. And then we're going to talk about authorities and then the schemes of the devil, two weeks on temptations and two weeks on strongholds. I'd love for you, everyone, to participate by getting involved with some homework. I would highly recommend. We tried to order these books. We couldn't get, as, we couldn't get enough here on time. But Screwtape Letters by C.S. Lewis is a fantastic and a classic work. I listen to it every year, by the way. There's two audio versions of this. They're both fantastic. They're wonderful. And you would, there'll be more homework later. But, and then, you know what? Here's another little thing you could do next week. The youth, they're coming back today. Their retreat this weekend was another C.S. Lewis book called The Great Divorce. They kind of reenacted some things. And The Great Divorce is, is about strongholds. And Great Divorce will be our next book in our homework in a series that's, or actually in this series, but for later on, why don't you come to the wrap-up next week? Next Sunday night, 6.30 to 8, up in the loft. And man, I wish I went to my youth group. Uh, and you'll learn about strongholds in that way. Before we go any further, I just I wanted to stop and say uh, a couple things about this series itself. And the first one is, is that, <clears throat> excuse me, I've been the senior pastor here for 18 years uh, this month, and I have never taught a series on spiritual warfare. And it's mostly for about six different reasons, and they're all based on insecurities, personal insecurities. And I, I have failed you as a congregation, as a pastor, and as an elder to not talk about this. So I am sorry for that, and I, 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 I would like for you to forgive me. I'm, we'll talk about it in the future. We're going to talk about this. The second thing is, is that uh, this is not a series, okay? This, sometimes we do a series, then we move on. This is, this is going to uh, change the vocabulary of our church in a significant way. It is the hope of the leadership of our church that in the future, it, it won't sound like this, like it sounded last year. Okay. Uh, uh, oh, Biff is stuck at the wall. I mean, he's been, he's been embittered ever since his divorce. I think now we're going to start saying, oh, man, Biff is stuck at the wall. He's been embittered ever since his divorce. And I know Biff, and his bent was towards bitterness. It always has been. And now he's allowed a stronghold for the devil to take root. And we need to go talk to Biff. We need to ask if we can talk to Biff about this. We need to pray for him. We need to pray over him. We need to fast for him to break free of this stronghold 
so that he might be able to free up enough to repent and turn back. That's a different way of praying. That's a different way of talking. And we need to become comfortable with the vocabulary that's in the Bible, even though we're not comfortable. As a matter of fact, we can just add this to the other things that we're uncomfortable about talking about, but we talk about anyway, right? We do that about all sorts of things here. So, and if you're still uncomfortable with it and don't like to hear about it, that's why we have earplugs in our sound booth back there. Over there in the tape ministry, they have earplugs. Here's, here's the point. There is an evil one. And it, it is his ambition that you not live a victorious life in Jesus Christ. The devil wants to prevent you from enjoying the ministry that God has given you before the beginning of time. All those good works in Jesus Christ that he predestined for you, the devil is going to do whatever he can to stop that. Demons do not want you to become like Christ in all of life. Do you believe that? Good. There are two realms. We live in two realms. There's a physical realm. We get that. It's right in front of us. And there is a spiritual realm that's around us. It's invisible. And these two realms are not disconnected but, and, and isolated, but rather they're overlapping. I mean, a great example of that is, is I, I think it's a good example, is that I have a brain. It's a physical thing. I keep it in here. But I have a mind. And it's not a physical thing. And the reason I want to emphasize that these are overlapping is that they are connected to one another so that what happens in the physical world can affect the spiritual world and what happens in the spiritual world can also affect the physical world. So just, just in, in the human experience, right, I can choose to do things that alter my brain physically and therefore contaminate my mind. And I can fill my mind with all sorts of sludge so that you could literally see brain chemistry being altered. They overlap. There are physical consequences for spiritual experiences, and there are spiritual uh, consequences for physical activity. And so, but listen, the spiritual world that's around us, it is at war. There's a battle going on, and you and I, we're part of it. It's a cosmic struggle that began before creation and continues day to day, approaching the culmination and the end of time. And so the writers of the Bible, front to back, are saying, sober up, <laughs> wake up and fight. Sober up, wake up and fight. Or get used to living a life where there's roosters crowing all around you. There's a spirit realm, and there's evil in that spirit realm, and that is at war with us. And it is after families and friendship and, and nations and churches. Do you believe in the devil? Because he believes in you. He hates you. From Genesis to Revelation, the Bible story it's a war story. It's always been a war story. It is impossible to hold an accurate faith in Christianity without believing in the devil. Jesus talks about him a lot. He talks about the spirit realm a lot and how it touches this physical realm a lot. 
In John chapter 10, Jesus says, so Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, no, really, I'm telling you, this is how it is. I say to you, I am the door to the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep do not listen to them, not the real sheep, right? I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and, and find pastors. The thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. Now, I came that you might have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays, his, lays down his life for the sheep. You see, Jesus doesn't believe like in a force, a yin-yang, you know, equal balance. He doesn't believe in force like in Star Wars or whatever. He believes in a personal, highly intelligent, scheming evil, demon and devil, a personality. And his, job, and his, his goal is to ruin and destroy and eat and devour all things that the Lord loves. He says the devil steals. He's a thief. He robs. His hope is to rob you and I of all the beautiful gifts that God gives us. He is out to steal innocence. You remember when you were young how you longed to lose the innocence of your life, and today even more and sooner. Why? Where does that come from? Oh, to be innocent again. He wants to ravage our virtue, love and joy and peace. The list goes on. And those attributes are mocked in this culture, and our souls feel that tug because someone's trying to steal those from us. He wants to steal our health. He wants to steal our productivity. He would love for us to waste another, another year of our life and steal that from us. It is the devil's dream that you would die without ever knowing what it's like to be loved or to be known. He wants to steal that from you. He's a killer. He's a murderer. He loves death. He loves all things death. And he loves the death of humans because it is the breath of God that brought us into existence, and that's we are in the image of God. And to destroy something in the image of God, for God so loved humans that he gave his only son, good. I'll kill as many as possible. The history of the world is the history of death where he celebrates that his bloody claws are on every type of killing. Have you ever had a thought that went like this? I wish I'd never been born. Have you ever thought, I wish I were dead? Well, where does that come from? Do you think you, you, think you can come up with that? You're hardwired for survival instinct, to stay alive. You think that's from God? It's impossible that that message would come from God. That, those thoughts of suicide, that's the devil's work. That is the de that's a spirit realm issue when you have thoughts of self-destruction. And, and he seizes the moment when our brains are ill, which, which weaken our mind, and then comes in and whispers these things that would make him roar with laughter. Suicide, that's him. That's the devil. And whether it's fast or slow, that's okay too. 
destructive addictions. People in their heads, I can't take this life. I need to find something to distract me. And whether it's another glass of wine or another hour of TV or another trip to the store, whatever it might be, it's the idea is you, you're going to, you got, you got to start living or you got to start dying. And he's saying, let's start dying. A slow suicide is just as good. It's fun to watch. It can be entertaining at times. He's a thief, he's a murderer, and, he's, and he destroys. And here's how he destroys. He wants us to be captivated with sin. He seduces us into believing that we can find fulfillment outside the will of God. He seduces us into thinking we can find fulfillment outside the will of God. The boundaries of God, hear this, the boundaries of God, the fences that God puts up, you know what's inside those fences? Safety, happiness, joy. <laughs> and and it's, all for our good. it's all for our good. You glorify God when you laugh inside the fences that he's established, inside of his commandments. When you're at some kind of event with friends and you're all doing God's will and you laugh out loud, that's worship. That's worship. And it's a screech to the devil. And so he shows up and says, is that all? Hath God really said? He wants you to seek something more entertaining outside that fence. Look at this stupid cow. Look at this stupid cow. Look at the field he's in. He could be dancing in a field of dreams. That's us. That's stupid us. We long for less. We lust for poison. And this is how he is a destroyer. If he can get us to break through that fence, if, we can, if he can get us outside the protective parameters of the commandments of God, then now we're on his home field. Now we have given him permission. We have entered his realm, and it's like, let's go. Let's build a stronghold right here. Let's camp. Let's make this a lifestyle. That's how he destroys. He steals, he kills, he destroys. Satan is real. He is real. And his intention is to obliterate everything that is righteous and good. Jesus Christ, he believes this because he knows it to be true. The devil is a sociopathic thief. He's a serial killer. He is a destroyer of all things righteous. Do you believe that? Jesus does. Do you believe that? Here's the goal for the series, not to be alarmed. Be aware of the devil, but be marveled by God. Look what these authors are saying, you know, in, in John's writing and in Peter's, he's saying, be sober, watch out, wake up, fight. They don't say be afraid. The devil would love you to be afraid. But f fear happens in the absence of understanding and in the absence of a relationship with God. And, and by the way, that's the key to living in two realms. How do you live successfully in two realms? 
you have this awe of God. You, you look for opportunities to know and love him and enjoy him more effectively. When you are marveled with the nature of God and the promises of God, you will do quite well living in two realms. The nature of God. We'll, we'll look at this as we go. I mean, this is the introduction to the series. So uh, the nature of God and, and, and fundamentally that he is sovereign, that he has a plan he has a power to implement the plan, and we get to enjoy the plan and be part of the plan. And the promises of God, this is also fundamental to under, succeeding in this spiritual war. It is the promises of God about who he says we are. It's our position with God, what he has declared us to be. So this series on spiritual perspective on those sorts of things is going to be followed by a six-week series on our position of righteousness that God has declared with us. So we're setting this up. How do you live abundantly in two realms? How do you live abundantly in two realms? Three things, just for today anyway. <laughs> First, be sober-minded, be watchful, wake up. People would call this situational awareness. Know what's going on around you. Being able to see the devil in the details, literally the devil in the details. And Peter, because of his experiences, is quite shrewd to this. Let me I'll show you in this story. In Acts chapter 5, the church is brand new. She's, she's weak and vulnerable, right? She's, you know, she's kind of following behind the pack. She looks like she could be devoured quite easily. And so she's fragile. And during this time in Acts chapter 5, a couple sell a bunch of real estate and they're giving it the money to the church. And it's not that they, how much they gave, it's that they lied about how much they gave. And so they're going to go in front of the leaders of the church and they're going to say, we gave it all. And they're lying. Now, I know it's, it's just a simple lie to a couple guys, but it's not because the couple of guys are elders of a church, the bride of Christ. And that's different. That's something God loves. And if God loves it, he wants, the devil wants to tear it down. And so Peter knows, understands. He's situationally aware. This is a, we're talking about the bride of Christ. And this is a time when she has to be protected. And so he's calling it out. He knows. He knows these people didn't just come up with this plan on their own. And so he says this. And Peter says to them, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart with to lie, not to us, to the Holy Spirit? And to keep back for yourself parts of the proceeds of the land. Why, why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to man, but to God. So, so be watchful. Look for confusion and division on those things God has called sacred. The church, marriage, those sorts of things. When confusion and division happen in those contexts... We're not alone. This last trip to Israel, Melinda and I were at the Dead Sea. I'm, I'm laughing because it was a dumb thing. But anyway, we were at the Dead Sea. And one of the things that I enjoy at the Dead Sea, oddly enough, is at night, the fighter jets just buzz right by the hotels. I mean, they, they're screaming by in, in pairs. And so I just love, you know, the first one goes by and, and it's telling you the second one's coming soon. And I just, as, as long as they fly, I'm watching. And, and so I'm, 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 the, I'm on the bed, I'm looking out the window, and the first one comes by, and, and Melinda kind of stood in front of me, in front of the window, and I said, hey, honey, move. Okay, Melinda, could you, could you move out of the way? <clears throat> it's coming soon. Could you please get out of the way, please? And she didn't. And so I lit her up like a Roman candle. 
And then she looked at me and said, I haven't heard that voice in about 20 years. And I said, yeah. Anyway, the long story is, I mean, I asked her, I said, why didn't, did you hear me ask you three times? You know, I got this thing about fighter jets. And she says, I know, but I couldn't move. And I said, you couldn't move? We're not alone. I mean, sometimes we'll say just to each other when we realize what's going on, same team, same team. We're on the same team, baby. There's someone in between us. We got, we're, we're turning our guns on each other. We're on the same team, right? So we realized situa- we were situationally aware that, that the devil would love to tear apart this marriage. I mean, one of the highlight reels they play in hell every Saturday night when all the weddings are going all over the world, they play the first family breakup. They love it when Adam says to God, it was this wife that you gave me. Beautiful. I got the guy blaming his wife, custom made just for him, and God in one sentence. I love this part. That's the devil, friends. That's the demon. Situational awareness. Know the good shepherd's voice. John 10, this is still part of that section we read earlier. The, the, sheep hear my, sheer, the sheep hear his voice, and, and he calls his own sheep by name and then leads them out. And when he's brought them out, all, all his own, he goes before them. He's walking out in front of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. Life goal. <laughs> this is awesome. Life goal. Know the voice of God. It takes great discipline. It, 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 you can't just go to church on Sundays and think you can do this. This is desiring to be with God, reading his word with the intention of relationships, not knowledge so much. It's knowledge about God, enjoying him, prayer, consistent prayer, other people. Those, because communication, communication in combat is absolutely critical for success. And here's what a lot of people do. Okay, here, I mean, you've probably seen, how many movies have you seen where, uh, you know, there's combat going on. There's a real battle going on. And the guy's like, whatever the listening device is, he's screaming and banging. It happens all the time. Bang, bang, bang. It's part of the drama. I can't hear you. I can't hear you. What's going on? And what do they say? They say, where are you? What am I supposed to do? Communication's cut off. I don't know. Here's what people, here's what Christians do. Okay. When, when combat happens in their life and they're having some kind of spiritual attacks happening in their world and they can't explain all the bad that's happening, they, they go, Where? I can't hear you. I, I can't hear you. Where are you? Where's God now? What am I supposed to do next? And here's the answer to the question. If you're just now listening in the middle of a war, it's too late. You want to learn the voice of God? Back here, you know, during training, when things are calm, every day, you're talking, you're learning, you're listening, you know, you're reading, you're having significant conversations with him. And so when the bombs are going off, you go, wait, I know that voice. I know he never leaves. The communication with God is constant. We just don't listen. The communication with God is is consistent because the Spirit of God lives in us. We're not tuned to it. So we have to just have a desire and the discipline to know the voice of God. Last one is humble yourself. Humble yourself. Right before uh, 
Peter is going to talk about the roaring lion, here's, here's his advice to us. He says, clothe yourself, all of you, with humility towards one another. For God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that in the proper time he uh, may exalt you. Casting all, cast all your anxiety upon him because he cares for you. Look, he says, humble yourself before God and others. And why? Right? I mean, we just did a, by the way, we just did a whole series on it's not about me so that it would load up this series on spiritual warfare. And the whole, the whole kind of one of the bigger points of what a, uh, it's not about me is the reason we humble ourselves before God and others is because that's the way we were made. That's the way we were meant to be made. That's the way we were designed, not made. That's the way we're designed. That's the original operating system we're supposed to be running on, self-forgetfulness, always looking out, thinking about others that way. And so when you do that, you're able to see and hear and enjoy God, and you're able to be winning in this in this spiritual combat that we're in. Here's the theme. Sober up, watch out, wake up. Wake up to this two realm and fight. And we're fighting, by the way, we're not fighting for victory. We're fighting from victory. The war is over. We're just having battles at this point. And the devil just wants to burn everything down. He just wants to take everything with him. He wants to scratch and claw at any living thing before he's judged finally. That's what's happening. Let me give you a picture about the severity of this. Last year, a friend of mine asked me if I'd help give his daughter some um, self-defense tips and how to defend herself. She's getting a little bit older. And I said, well, so here's the thing about self-defense. It's, it's not about knowing a couple moves. It's really, honestly, it's not about physical. It's all up here. I said, you could, you could change your daughter's life if you help her understand that she has to understand her enemy. Because in the heart of many people, especially in this country, they think a mugging or a fight is like behind the gym in fifth grade where you scrap and end up on the ground and you're just kind of waiting for someone to pull you guys apart or just something positive ends up happening eventually. That's not a mugging. A mugging is to steal and kill and destroy and to eat. And so you've got to change your child's mind about what's going on around her. So this is what you do. This is graphic. Brace yourself. You buy a couple of those bundles of cherry tomatoes, and then you go out in the backyard, and you put her next to a tree, and you say, honey, I want to see you squash. The, hold the cherry tomato up there on the tree and say, I want you to squash that with your thumb. She's not going to do it right. She's going to do it with her thumbprint. And you go, no, baby. With the tip of your thumb, squash another one, squash another one. Now, that's what it feels like to punch your thumb through a human eyeball. Now, let's do again and again and again. Let's see you do it way up here. Let's see you do it down here. Let me turn your back. Close your eyes. I want to see you crunch this tomato, squash this eyeball behind your head. And you just keep, and you say, honey, we're running a wire deep inside of you. And I want you to know there's a switch now, and you can turn that switch on because this is not a game. You're fighting for your life. And you need to learn how it feels and how good you can be. You want muscle memory? You want muscle memory about sticking your thumb through a human socket because 
if, if you can't do that or you can't Mike Tyson in an ear, then you don't know the evil that's out there waiting for you. And there's no move that you can learn that can get you out of that trouble. It's real. The fight is real. <laughs> Peter, Peter says, sober up, watch out, wake up. There's a lion out there. The mafia, the Italian mafia has rules. They'll leave your kids alone. That's not how this works. We have, we have rules of warfare. The Geneva Convention, you can't use gas. The devil has no rules. He's harnessed by the sovereignty of God. But friends, we've got to get in this war, and we've got to realize it's a fight for our lives. This is not a battle about flesh and blood. It's principalities and powers. And you and I, we are more than well equipped. We have all things we need. We have the spirit, the power of the Spirit of God in our souls. We can, if we choose to put on the full armor of God. We need to take a stand here. This is an issue of already won. Now pick up your sword and do something. That's what the Bible teaches about spiritual awareness. How about we come back as warriors? Okay? Can I pray for you? I'll pray Paul's prayer. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. There it is. That's where we find it. Be finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Let's put on that full armor of God so that we can take a stand against the devil's schemes. Lord, I'd ask that you would help us learn what the devil's schemes are. We might know them when we see them. We might read his playbook and beat him to it. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's against rulers. It's against authorities and powers of darkness. Against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Lord, we are grateful you did not leave us powerless. You did not leave us without armor. You did not leave us without strategy. You continually communicate with us. Lord, I'd ask that you, we would be, we find ourselves aware of the devil and his schemes and enamored with the glory of who you are and what you've promised. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.